Hello and welcome back to Little MB. Kind of a depressing episode to me. Uh, some of it's, well, it's all old news, but there's a lot of stuff that people are unaware of when it comes to these topics. And I'm going to do my best to really watch my language on this one because if I get rolling, it ain't going to stop. And it's just really gives me, it really gives me such a dark feeling about our country. And I'm sure there's some folks who remember the Fast and Furious operation where the ATF, which is the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, was allowing illegal sales of not just firearms, but military firearms, and to have them taken across the border into Mexico, quote-unquote, to track them to the bigger fish. That's a load of crap. For those who don't know about it or don't remember, the weapons were all lost. It really got its attention when two of these lost firearms were found at the murder scene of a border agent, Brian Terry. Now here's the thing. You know, Obama's gotten a lot of crap for it because it was on his administration. But here's the thing, that wasn't the only operation. There was one called Wide Receiver that happened before it under Obama's administration. Um, the first one was in 2006 under Bush's administration. And according to the Sonola cartel, they had a deal with the United States government. The Sonola cartel would not be prosecuted for bringing drugs to America. And they wouldn't be stopped from doing it. And in exchange, they would be given all of these military-grade weapons to go to war and take out all of the other Mexican cartels. Now, granted, this is just a claim of the Sonola cartel. However, I tend to believe that because this is, this is a type of operation that started prior to Obama's administration. So it started under a Republican president, continued under a Democratic president, and during these four operations, all the weapons mysteriously come up missing. And the Mexican government starts finding these weapons that are attached to Operation Fast and Furious at other crime scenes, such as where 150 civilians were massacred. Needless to say, they're upset when the Mexican military took in four gunship helicopters to try to take out a 
drug cartels compound. They started getting under fire from 50 caliber rifles. Which, for those who don't know, those are actually designed to take out LAVs, light armored vehicles. They're designed to not just punch through the armor, but also punch through the engine block. A buddy of mine that was a scout sniper in the Marines, he started off in the Marines as a heavy gunner. He was on a 50 cal machine gun team, three man team. And he was telling me that a 50 caliber round is so big and powerful that it will go two miles and still have enough power to go through 10 men if they're standing in a line, standing right in a row. And we are giving this stuff to a Mexican cartel to go to war with other Mexican cartels, according to the Sonola cartel. I don't find that unbelievable. I find that more plausible and believable than ATF agents and members of the Department of Justice, the DOJ, just all of a sudden not knowing about these operations going on and just knowing nothing about it. I mean, this is, it was the first time in history a member of the cabinet, of the president's cabinet, uh, Eric Holder, was actually uh, charged with contempt. And Obama tried to block the release of documents by claiming executive privilege, which got overturned later on by a court. So that tells me Obama knows, Obama knew about it. It tells me Bush knew about it, because if Obama did, Bush did. And I'm actually going somewhere with this. This isn't all about Fast and Furious. I knew vaguely what Fast and Furious was. I knew vaguely what it was back when because this is this is the other thing this is something like an investigation and uh senate hearings and all this other kind of crap went on for years years because of the games these people are playing i mean the atf acted like the catholic church when you know how priests would molest kids and then the catholic church would just move them that's what they started doing with the ATF agents from the Phoenix area that were involved in this operation. They just started moving them. But once the border agent came up dead with those two weapons at the scene, whistleblowers started to come out of the woodworks. And one of them was actually fired for whistleblowing. And this stuff is verifiable. I just got done reading all about this crap. And what got me to do it was a podcast I had listened to about another ATF agent. And what happened to him just absolutely blows my mind. 
I bought the book. I haven't read it yet. So guess what? I'll probably do another podcast on this cat later on down the road. But the book's called No Angel. And it's by uh, a former ATF agent by the name of Jay Dobbins. Now, what's interesting about Dobbins and how it kind of ties into the Fast and Furious, he gets screwed over by the ATF. And it was the same people in charge that was screwing him over that was in charge of the Fast and Furious operation. So Dobbins is ATF. He was actually a pretty dang good uh, college football player. Played for Arizona down in Tucson in college. Uh, Almost made it to the pros. He actually played in the Canadian League, in the U.S. League, before the U.S. US League Football League went bust. Um, he ended up joining the ATF four days into his job. He gets shot in the back and the bullet goes out of his chest, like totally explodes along. He almost dies from it. He ends up coming back to work. He wants to work undercover, but considering he's in Tucson where he played college football and where... The media just blown up over him getting shot during a deal gone wrong. They move him to Chicago, where during another deal with some gangbangers, he not only gets shot again, this time he was wearing a vest, so at least he had that. So his, his vest did protect him from the gunshot, but it did not protect him from the car that the four gangbangers used to hit him so hard that he bounced off the windshield and flew over the top of the car. So in his first 18 months with the ATF, this cat gets shot twice and hit by a car. And he came back for more. And that, that's, I don't know myself if that's dedication or lunacy. <laughs> but <laughs> either way, he ends up going undercover with the Hell's Angels. And he essentially becomes the first federal agent, undercover agent, to ever get patched in with the Hell's Angels. Every other massive. Uh, motorcycle club had been infiltrated prior, like the outlaws, the Mongols, and, you know, all of them. <clears throat> now, technically, he ended up not getting patched in because a few days before he was getting patched in, just out of nowhere, the ATF and the Department of Justice said, nope, you're done. We're calling an end to this. And <clears throat> I don't think this guy's a 100% prints. There's certain things, I think I mentioned it before, when it comes to undercover agents, <laughs> certain things I don't agree with. Like his idea to actually get patched in is 
setting up a fake murder. So he goes to the Hells Angels there in Arizona. And he says, hey, my boys down in Tijuana told me about a Mongol that's down there. Talking all kinds of shit about the Hells Angels up here in Arizona. And how you guys ain't crap. And how they're going to like bring drugs up through your territory and take over. Blah, blah, blah. I want to kill the guy. And they're like, right on. Here's, here's the gun to do it. And they don't even use a real Mongol biker. They have some other dude... They they had a Mongols MC vest, you know, all the patches and stuff for that motorcycle club, and put it on some other guy, had a homicide detective come in to stage the scene. He went and got, like, brains and blood, cow blood, all this stuff from a butcher, and totally stages this murder scene the pictures and just to make sure this detective took it to other homicide detectives and it's like hey i need you to look at these see if i've missed anything and then like at the end he has to stop and be like "Uh, look i set you up this is what we're trying to do and so completely set up so conspiracy to commit murder i guess is what the charge would have been but either way, this is what was going to get Dobbins patched in. And I think that's bullshit. I mean, if you can go undercover and actually catch guys doing stuff that's wrong, hey, more power to you. That's cool. But when you go in there, gain their trust, become friends with these people. He was undercover for two years with the Hells Angels. Lord only knows the illegal crap that he did. Because he's building up evidence, building cases for two years. But for him to propose a crime, especially murder, I think that's BS. I I think that's entrapment. I think that's just straight up BS. Either way. He's supposed, like, he's being told that he's going to get patched in and become a hell's angel. And who's that guy, Sonny Berger, Barger, whatever the hell his name is. He, he's supposed to be the icon of the hell's angels. He's the one, he didn't create the hell's angels, but he is the one who basically, lack, well, he did incorporate it in certain ways, trademarked you know, their symbols and patches and all that other kind of crap. But he's the one that turned them into an international crime syndicate. Because they're in, the Hells Angels in, is in something like 20 countries. They even got a chapter going in Egypt right now. At least one, if not two. I mean, it, it's just insane. But either way, they since he hadn't... Ah, crap. Now I lost the word. Because, uh... To start out, you're a hangout. You're just allowed to hang out with them. And then there's a prospect. 
and prospects the next thing once you're a prospect for a year. And you can be a prospect for longer, but you have to be one for at least a year before you can get patched in. He hadn't served his year yet, but where he was at, the four top dogs were all like, hey, you're a shoe-in. We have to have a vote, but you're a shoe-in. And when we go have our meeting, we want you right next to Sonny and acting as his security. So he was going to get patched in. They could have set up so many more cases, got gone so much deeper. But the ATF and DOJ say no. We're going and rounding them up now. So they, they go and do that. And all these cases, there was like 55 arrests, I believe. And all these cases were slam dunks. And yet, they allowed these guys to plea out for reduced sentences and reduction in charges. Which makes no sense. You go through the expense of an investigation undercover for two years. And come up with all this stuff just to reduce charges and reduce sentencing. Needless to say, when they find out that Dobbins was an undercover agent, he starts getting threats on his life, his family's lives. They actually have a handwritten letter from one of the guys in jail that's waiting trial saying that they needed to kidnap his wife and videotape them gang raping her and then get him and make him watch it. And here, here's what's really messed up. There's plans to try and take him out. To try and take him out. Threatening his family, take them out, rape his wife, all this crap. And the ATF and DOJ would not investigate. They did not try to investigate to protect one of their own agents. And then finally, they threatened to burn his house down over the top of his family. In this, they actually halfway succeeded. They burned his house to the ground, but him and his family were able to get out. Now this is where it gets fun. ATF, DOJ, turn it around and accuse him of setting the fire. Even though there was proof that he didn't do it, they still did this to try to tarnish his reputation. Needless to say, he had to be moved, and this is something most people don't know uh, about being a cop or a federal agent. No matter what you do, you're not entitled to witness protection. To WITSEC. You're not, you're not entitled to the witness protection program. And so, needless to say, Dobbins and his family have to move. And, damn it, now, now I can't remember what happened first. If them moving happened first, or if the house burning down happened first. But either way, in a sense, it doesn't matter, because 
the ATF, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, doxed him. They made public where he moved to. And once again, that, that this is how it ties into the Fast and Furious thing because these people are the, that were in charge pulling this crap on him, the Department of Justice and ATF that were pulling this crap on him, same people in charge of the Fast and Furious. Like I said, I don't agree with the tactics of suggesting a crime like a murder and then being able to do a fake murder. I mean, it, it's all made up. And then being able to bust people for that. I, I don't agree with that. It is legal, but I don't agree with it. I think that's a load of crap. However, you still have a guy who's been dedicated to the ATF trying to make our streets a safer place. The only thing I can think of, especially being in Arizona, is the uh, Hells Angels, to me, somehow had to be connected with the Sonola Cartel in one way or another. That's the only thing I can think of that makes sense. But here, here's the thing. He ends up meeting with the U.S. attorneys at the Department of Justice because he's suing. Why wouldn't he sue? And that, this is the thing, too. Uh, the first time he got shot, when he woke up in his hospital room, there were a line of lawyers outside of his room waiting to see him. Because they said he could write his own check because of the incompetence of the ATF during this operation where he got shot. And he basically said, fuck off. I ain't, you know, I ain't like that. I ain't doing that. You know, I'm an agent. Crap happens. You know? And so, after all these years of getting screwed, he, he's, you know, the attorneys with the DOJ meet with him and say, and they say, hey, you're going to win. You're, you can prove you didn't set the fire to that house. And you can prove everything that you're claiming. You can do that in court. But you're still going to lose. Because we will appeal it. And if you win again, we'll appeal that. They told him, we will outlast you. You will not be able to afford to win. And he actually did win his court case. The DOG, DOJ did appeal. And the circuit court threw the shit out. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. And I mean, obviously the Mexican government is demanding answers about the Fast and Furious thing. They have been ever since it happened. You know, they were wanting to know what was going on with some of our military-grade weapons showing up down there at these crime scenes and being used against their own military. They're like, oh, we had this uh, Operation Fast and Furious and uh, it went south. But other than that, 
they would not give them details. And what can Mexico do? When you add that to just everything else that's gone on, it's just sickening to me. It honestly is. And it's terrifying. Because we're in a position now to where our government is protected by itself. Oh, yeah, there's laws where people can be held accountable. They can be. But they're not. It reminds me of when I got expelled from the school for the blind. It was BS. And we went and saw an attorney up in Chicago, Illinois, and he flat out said, I'm going to tell you, if you were in a private school or a public school, it wouldn't even go to court. They would settle. You'd be rich. But the fact is, a state court is not going to convict a state school. Lawyer flat out told me told me and my folks that I was 16 at the time so you know it it was just one of those things you know it was a hard lesson to learn then and as much as that sucked it was quite a bit different one poor old blind boy getting screwed over by the system as opposed to this system just screwing everybody over La Cosa Nostra is not dead. It is our government. Plain and simple. Nothing but organized crime. I just don't get it. I really don't. Our government is like organized crime. They're just going to do whatever they want. And if you try whistleblowing or something like that, well, guess what? We take care of our own. Every, you know, and that's the thing. Like, with this investigation and shit that, like, the DOJ was part of, well, who did, who did the investigation? The Department of Justice, they did. And that's the thing, I'm not getting into all the fine-tuned details and stuff like that because, for one, it's too much. And it's an old case. Both these cases are old cases. It's just, I just heard about this Dobbins, this Jay Dobbins, and... He, would, he is considered a legend with the ATF. This podcast that, I was, that I've been listening to, uh, they bring on different, like, police or federal agents that have, you know, they had the guy that, was, that helped take down the D.C. sniper. Uh, they had the police commissioner of Boston come on uh, during the Boston Marathon bombing. <laughs> oh, excuse me. You know... They actually had one of the hosts on the podcast, a Steve Murphy, 
He's one of the DEA agents that helped to take down Pablo Escobar. And so the first episode was actually him and his partner, Javier Pena, talking about when they were down in Colombia pursuing Pablo. The next episode they actually had with George Young. And if you don't remember, he was the guy they made the movie Blow about. So they interviewed him for two or three hours, four hours, something like that. And they've had other criminals on there too. Like at least one of, I think, uh, it seems to me they've had at least two other ones on there. Yeah, two other ones. But, you know, it's kind of a cool podcast in that sense that they're bringing the law enforcement agents that actually are doing this stuff. But the thing is, the one thing that is synonymous with a lot of these federal agents from the ATF and DEA was the name of Jay Dobbins. The guy was a freaking living legend in the ATF. Just a super badass dude. And for seemingly no reason at all, our government throws his ass under the bus for some Hell's Angels. I mean, the fact that they were threatening him and his family and they refused to investigate. Just flat out refused to investigate. And then tried to blame him for burning his own house down, trying to kill his family. And then doxing him. Making it public where he moved. I mean, just absolutely ridiculous. And this is our government. I mean, when you look at the wars we've gotten ourselves into, and I say that like we had a vote. But I mean, crap. Bush with Desert Storm, Clinton with... Bosnia, Serbia, Bush Jr. with Iraq and Afghanistan, Obama adding Syria and Libya and Yemen to the mix. Seems like there was another one or two, I can't recall. And isn't it kind of funny? I mean, it's... People think that I'm just some kind of conspiracy theorist, but the problem is, it's like, this crap is fact. Out of nowhere, all our mandates are gone. All of our mandates are freaking gone. And it just so happens it coincides with Russia invading the Ukraine. I mean, that just makes no sense to me. Well, actually, it does, because this is what that amounts to. And I did, honestly, I did not plan on getting into this. I honestly didn't. 
but it, it makes perfect sense because the one thing I've been talking about all along is the fact that if you say something comes from the lab, you get yourself in trouble. Then it comes out that there's a high probability it came from a lab. You know, just the whole string of things. You know, if you said the vaccine's not an actual vaccine because you can still get it and pass it on and get sick as hell from it, you know, you got in trouble. Well, then all of a sudden you need a booster shot because you do have breakthrough cases. You know, it's... Instead of just coming out in the beginning and saying, hey, you know what? It wasn't as bad as what we thought. Yes, it's bad. It's not great. But it's not as bad as we thought. Instead of doing that, they just keep trying to force this narrative. And it gets to a point to where... I mean, look look at the masks and stuff. It doesn't matter. You just need a mask. Just need a mask. Now, all of a sudden, what is it? The M95, M95 mask is the only one that works. The cloth is no good. The surgical is no good. You know, it's... I mean, they keep redacting their own crap. Like, going back on their own crap. Not redacting, but... Retracting their own crap. And they got they got to a point to where they didn't know what else to... They didn't know what to do. They know that they're looking stupid and sounding stupid. So what a perfect thing to happen. Russia invading the Ukraine. One of the first hot wars that didn't involve us in a long time. And it's kind of funny too. I heard some other dude, um, this black dude, make a comment that What's strange for him is it's the first time since he's been alive he's seen white people going to war with white people. Because until then it was us going to war in the Middle East and, you know, Somalia, stuff like that. So we got this and it's something that, guess what, people fight about. Putin's great. No, Ukraine's great. Well, the Ukrainians have their own Nazi party, which I don't even know if that's true. I just know people are saying it. Well, it's still better than Putin. Well, no, Putin's great. At least he's not a Nazi. One more thing for people to fight about. So guess what? They get to drop the mandates. And the overwhelming majority of people don't even notice. And the thing is, I think the majority of the people who did notice were the people, they they were the hardcore vaxxers. The ones that say that you shouldn't get medical treatment if you're not vaccinated. Which the only way I'd go along with that is I'd say fine, but guess what? If, if you're morbidly obese and you have a heart attack, you don't get treated. Because you knew better. You, you, you could have done something to prevent that. You could have got a gastro bypass surgery. Something. But either way, as soon as it's real loud and people are yelling real loud and good, 
then it's time to get rid of the mandates. And people won't even notice. Like I said, a lot of people didn't. It's just, and the only reason I'm even talking about the COVID thing is because it's bullshit from the government. It's nothing but BS from the government. This stuff just keeps piling on. I mean, just keeps piling on and piling on. The crap that our government's not just doing, but the crap they're getting away with. We got congressmen and senators openly doing inside trading. And getting rich as hell. While our economy's suffering. You know, that's what's so sad is this, and this is just me sitting and talking by myself. My God, if I had somebody else to sit and talk with on here where we could sit and go back and forth, I could remind them of stuff. They could remind me of stuff. We could go on for hours and the hours would just be over what has gone on. Since 2001. Just call it 2001. Because that's, that's the scary thing about it. When Watergate came out with Nixon. And it, and it was getting proven. He resigned. He's like, you know what? I screwed up. I'm out. You know, then starting in the 90s with Clinton, he starts just, that's my, it's like the Colin Ray song from the 90s. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. I wonder if that song came out before the Monica Lewinsky thing. And I mean, the song ain't about, well, in a way, I guess it is. But either way, let's pretend it ain't. It's been a long time since I've heard the song. But, you know, just the chorus to it. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. You know, that was Clinton. And there has just been, since him, there has just been less and less shame amongst the politicians. They learned... I don't have to resign. I don't have to go anywhere because guess what? People are idiots and they're still going to vote for me. So I I don't get it how things got so bad. I mean, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. Thank goodness for the internet. <laughs> Never thought I'd say that in my life. The internet's what allows us to know these things. Because mainstream media sure as hell ain't going to tell you about it. 
you know, in this podcast that I was listening to, it's called Game of Crimes, but it's, it's got some cool stories on it. It's got things that, there's certain things that really annoy me about the podcast, but I definitely listen to it to hear the people themselves talk, like the people that are bringing on an interview, you know, um, there was some other woman that ended up becoming the head of the DEA and she, she was part of some cool quote unquote missions and, uh, had the guy that took down the ice man that supposedly had like a hundred kills under his belt for the mob. You know, the guy that went undercover and brought him down. Uh, just, just a lot of cool people. Some of them are actually kind of funny too, but hearing some of their stories, it's pretty cool hearing it from the actual people themselves. In case if you're wondering if you didn't pick up on the Pablo Escobar deal with Steve Murphy and Javier uh, Pena, that's what the first two seasons of Narcos is about. It's those two guys. Season three, Christopher... uh, Crap, I can't think of his last name, but they did season three with the Cali cartel. He went down to Colombia after Murphy, Murphy and Javier Pena left. And he helped take down the Cali cartel. You know, so it's cool It's cool getting to hear that stuff from those people. And I don't know how popular it is. It's true crime, so I'm sure it's got some popularity to it. But either way, you know, they, they, they don't have no Joe Rogan audience. You know, so it's it's not like they're going to get a super amount of attention with some of these stories. But either way, uh, if you're interested in, like, reading more about that stuff, I've got the book, just ain't read it yet. Uh, Jay Dobbins uh, wrote a book, No Angel. And then the other, he actually wrote another book. I'm kind of upset. I sent an email to see if I could uh, get any information about it. But um, it's called Catching Hell by Jay Dobbins. And I think this is, that book is about what he went through with the ATF afterwards. But the No Angels about him infiltrating the Hells Angels. And then Catching Hell, I believe, is what he went through afterwards with the ATF and the Department of Justice. But... They don't have an audio version to the Catching Hell yet. Hopefully they'll get one. But either way, check check out that podcast. Like I said, it's called the Game of Crimes podcast. Uh, you can download it through Spotify. Uh, I believe it's... When they have their longer episodes, they split it up into two parts. So it's... I believe it's episode 32. So episodes 32 part 1 and 32 part 2. With Jay Bird. Jay Dobbins. Because Jay Bird was his nickname. Go listen to it. And then, you know, if you find it interesting, buy the man's book. I mean, I I bought his book. I don't know if I'm going to really learn anything extra from the book that I did from the podcast. I'm sure I will. Because the book's quite a bit longer than the podcast was, obviously. But 
hell, I just want to support the dude. To go through that and have his own agency and government turn their back on the guy. It's just sickening. Just sickening. Sorry for the rambling and that. I know I rambled, went on sidetracks and stuff like that, but just just the way that the Operation Fast and Furious kind of ties into Jay Dobbins. And it ties in because it's the same people pulling the crap on him that ran the operation, so... But either way, any questions, comments, concerns, uh, hit me up, littlemb6580 at gmail.com. That's L-I-T-T-L-E-M as in Mike, B as in Bravo, 6580 at gmail.com. Until next time, y'all take care.